Welcome to this latest edition of the Positive Populist Podcast. I have to be very careful wow. when I say that. Look who's here. It's I'm going to say I'm just going to say your Twitter handle. Hey, Tammy Bruce. That's right. That's right. Convenient, isn't it? I always loved that way of uh, it just makes me smile every time I see it and think of you. It's well, just you know great. what I liked about it, and the the point of it was, even though it was like many more extra letters yeah. when they used to count it in the the Twitter elements, was uh, that it would that it. It kind of imbued a, a casual framework of a conversation. Yes. Um, and uh, so I, I like to promote that as much it's as I can. It's very cool. Yeah. So I start every conversation with this question. Hey, tell me, Bruce, yeah. are you a positive populist? You know, I, I think so. Uh, and what's interesting is that it really does lend itself uh, to more of a personal point of view, mm-hmm. but I think that that actually has got to be at the foundation of the idea of populism, mm-hmm. right? Is that our point of view, the nature of how we're seeing things matters. Uh, but at the same time, of course, there's a specificity to the nature of, of what it promotes, uh, which is, uh, I, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when I think of populism, I think of decision-making and policy that really is geared toward what's best for the population mm-hmm. at large. That's not really um, uh, uh, geared for uh control issues uh, that uh, does not lend itself to more government control. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really is kind of all the best parts of conservatism, Yes, uh, which presumes for conservatism really to even work, uh, which is, which looks at, of course, and requires small government yeah. is that it, it presumes that the average individual can run their own lives. Yes, you got it. You right. totally got it. And populism yeah, yeah. relies on that as well. Absolutely. So for me, it's all about, I know it sounds like a cliche, but when you really drill into it, it really means people power, putting power in the hands of people. And then from a policy agenda, that gets you into really exciting territory, like decentralizing power, not just from the federal government to the states, but to local communities. So people, but also through the market. That's right, why it's conservative right. in the end. You know, that's why I re- I love that phrase is the best part of conservatism. That's very cool. But, but I would caution, though, and to some degree for America as a nation that's based in an idea that uh, structure is important. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's the uniqueness that's no other country in the world, you, you know, where, where there's usually a common history, you know, England, a, a common language, uh, that you have a history that binds you together. We have more of that now, but we're still really a puppy. So I'm, I am a fan of the role of government, mm-hmm. but what I'm not a fan of is the government naturally growing into thinking that it's the thing that matters. Yeah, and there's way too much of that. Yes. But what I really want to start with now when we get into the um you know the the real sort of details of this is what like your political journey because one of the, one of the, one of the things i'm always you, you mention it every now and again um when we're talking and when i've seen you on other shows talking about current issues one of mm-hmm. the things that you bring is an understanding of the left because that's where you once yeah were. i'd lo- tell us that story it's so interesting well uh you know my it's interesting my politics really haven't changed and I still see this happening to this day, is that leadership mm-hmm. in the left misleads people. Right. Uh, and they claim to represent something that, they, that, that the left ultimately can't deliver, which is personal freedom. Uh-huh. Uh, the left ends up relying on uh, government controls, bigger government, and, and really ultimately the, the belief that the elite 
really are better than everyone else mm-hmm. and that everyone else needs them. It's, it is, of course, the antithesis of what the left purports to stand for. Yeah. Uh, and so for me as a young person, you know, I come in, some people would describe me as a classical liberal, but uh, as a conservative, uh, it really has just has been a shift to my realization mm-hmm. that it's the conservative ideal that my uh, beliefs, that my principles really fit well within, which is uh, the importance of personal freedom yeah. combined with responsibility, uh, the importance of the market, maintaining that freedom, uh, and the 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 ultimate end result, really, of any government uh, is tyranny, is that it grows into believing that it's necessary, mm-hmm. and it grows into resenting forces that want to limit it. And so, for me, this has always been, which you, I thought was about liberalism. Many of us thought that that was liberalism, but it it really isn't. So when was that? When did you think that? Well, uh most of my young adult life and but being in the national organization for women working with leftist and just even liberal democrat liberal leaders uh, I, I became quite aware of the fact of the fraud but how did you get happening. into it? I'm interested how you how got, did into, I got the, into, into the first place oh, yeah well, what were you doing with these terrible yeah things? look I was in public relations um, okay. uh, as a, as my trade yeah and I was sitting on my couch in West Hollywood yeah and there was a group called Operation Rescue, mm-hmm. which was a group of men, white men primarily, who were physically blocking women's health care centers. Right. They were pro-life. Uh, their argument was, was that they were just simply going to stop women from accessing these buildings. Now, for me, and I was not really political very much. I mean, I was a feminist. When you're young, you're in Los Angeles. You, yeah. you are. And uh, But what struck me was the inherent unfairness of that how i thought to myself how does that help the issue right how how does that change anything these are bullies yeah and it's it's interesting because i think that is for americans in general we want fairness no matter where we find ourselves on a political spectrum it's really a nonpartisan concern in that whatever we believe we rely on goodwill Mm -hmm. uh and and trusting each other and that what we and we know that you can disagree on the issues, but let's not be unfair or and let's not be bullies about what it is we're trying to accomplish. So I saw this unfolding on local news. Yeah. And I remember the moment I actually sat up on my couch and it was and I decided then and I didn't see anyone in Los Angeles. There was no organized effort to counter them. Mm-hmm. And I thought. You know, I've always given money to, at the time to certain groups like the ACLU right. and the National Organization for Women. And I thought, speaking as a as a capitalist, I thought, where's my money been going? <laughs> and, what? And, what, have, what have I gotten for my dollar? Not much. So I I went to some meetings, and I, it became very clear of why. What? The, we, well, meeting National Organization for Women primarily. That was like the one kind of active group in Los Angeles. How did you find them? Uh, in, in, at the time, the phone book. Okay. You Literally. remember the phone book? No, that's book? so interesting because yes. that takes a bit of, you know, effort, right? You can't. Oh, yes. So you, you saw this going on. I want to do something about it. This is outrageous. Yes. And you looked up the national. I, lo- I looked them and I had given money previously. So they're, they're, So I was maybe they had sent out a newsletter every uh-huh. now and then. So I knew they were around. Right. And and I think maybe the, the news had interviewed somebody. Got it. Okay. Oh, so it's so, kind of on your radar. Yeah, and thought, yeah. Yeah. And so I went in. Interestingly, not really 
in a lot of not on the issue. It was like, oh my God, I've got to protect abortion. Yeah, it wasn't that. Yes, uh, it was. It was about what is this mob right. doing in my town. And um, so it was a it was a, an education. A year later, I was the president of the of the Los Angeles <laughs> chapter of now, okay. because there was I, it, we see it even to this day that there's like bureaucracies. Yes. And and uh, what I'd ultimately learned was it was always about raising money, uh, and the, the you know the in, internal machinations of things. I came in on it with a desire to solve a particular problem. Yeah. And we know that that's also not the agenda necessarily of, of either side of the aisle, uh-huh. uh, which is to solve problems. So that's how I got directly involved. And then how did you oh, you continue your professional career? In, in yes, PR. yes, yes, did both, yes. And then you were running the Los Angeles chapter or whatever they called it. And yes. then, then what happened? Well, um, uh, had some tremendous successes, really focused on issues of the image of women in media, violence against women, mm-hmm. I- issues where there was some general universal support that was were really not being advocated on, um, I- issues of, you know, the workplace, um, uh, uh, child care, the mm-hmm. availability of child care, okay. things like that. Um, and uh, then uh, O.J. Simpson. Killed his okay. ex-wife. Okay. So, but but, the, but that fit well within the bailiwick of what I'd been working on in L.A., which is again the issues of violence in general, um, stranger violence, issues of rape, you know, uh, legislation, and and it, just issues to to have it be something. So I saw it as a, mm-hmm. an epidemic. Clearly, it was, and it is. So suddenly, this happens in you know. Los Angeles is like a mining town. I mean, everybody knows everyone else. It's a it's a town of film and television. Yes. And, um, and so when that occurred, uh, you know, O.J. Simpson w- was, you know, a favorite son, um, very well liked and very successful. Um, and, and a lot of us did not know the background of the nature mm-hmm. of what was happening there. But it became certainly an issue about domestic violence. Uh, and so um, uh, that that certainly from, oh, 94 on b- became a major issue, obviously, mm-hmm. with the trial uh, getting into uh, – I'd actually was considering at that point uh, – uh, not running again for chapter president, going to law school. Okay. And then in the midst of all of that, I got to know the legal system in L.A., and I was disabused of that notion very <laughs> okay. quickly. Um, so uh, that that was, a, a, you know, a big education and, I, and a very successful effort here to focus on the issue of domestic violence, yeah. how it's a colorblind crime, how it is something that can uh, 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 and does affect uh, uh, women, it doesn't matter how rich you are or mm-hmm. what, you know where you come from socioeconomically or what the color of your skin is. And this is the kind of thing that, that women experience yeah. as women. Yeah. So it was a very important uh, conversation and experience. A- at the same time, the national leader at the time thought, ooh, I was gearing up to run for president of now. And so they began to cast this as that uh, because they saw this as more of a racial problem for some inexplicable reason, because Mr. Simpson, of course, African-American man. And of course, I was working on the issue of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of advocacy for people of color, and that's good in this country. My advocacy was for women, Mm -hmm. regardless of complexion. But that became a huge internal fight. I ended up spending more of my time fighting internally, and uh, that wasn't uh, what interested me. Uh Uh, And so I resigned. Yeah, uh, and I was on talk radio at the time here on a station called uh, KFI. You had a show on. The- yes, yes. So how did that happen? I mean, you missed that whole bit out. Uh, well, but it's, uh, it's I've had, I've been busy. Right. Um, 
I was, uh, there was some demonstration uh, here in Los Angeles, and I had, uh, uh, they had called me, they wanted me to be a guest on, at the time, Daryl Gates, who was the uh, chief of police here in Los Angeles. And apparently, uh, the my arguments were so good, and I'd kind of made him speechless, mm-hmm. that they offered me a weekend show. Wow, just like yeah. that, on one, from one appearance. Well, I, they, well they'd known appearance. me, that particular appearance, and they, yeah. they knew me, because look, I was, you know, the feminist yes. go-to person. Uh, and uh, it worked out very well, as you can tell. I'm talking and I can't shut up because I'm, <laughs> because I'm, I'm uh, Scottish, and so it worked out. It worked out quite well. So that began. I'd done a lot of media based on the issues, right, yes. and my activism, but that uh, kind of launched the uh, kind of the, the separate efforts on yes. media for myself. So then you got the show, and then you've you, you resigned from now. Yes, national organization. And then what's the next move? Well, that was a very good question. I was well enough known here in Los Angeles to where I couldn't get a regular job. And um, uh, I, I was on radio for, for a period of time. Uh, and um, ultimately, though, what I, need, what, I, what I ended up doing was, uh, because I needed to make some money, I uh, wrote a book. It was because it was the only way I could pay my rent. Okay. Because I don't like writing. Uh, it's, I find it difficult in the process Yes. Uh, and yet, and yet, you get into a zone. I was going to say, I literally was about to yes. ask you that. Do you, is it one of those things where you, you can't get down to it once you're in it? Yes. It, it's you, like, That's I have not, the same. You know, it, it, and this is the problem for us who, who live in that world, is that the idea of it before you're in the zone, it's like, no. Yes, constant you procrastination. Have to, you have to yeah. remember what it's like to get in that space. And I was uh, lucky enough to become friends with Ray Bradbury, wow. the famous yeah, of course. author. Mr. Bradbury, God bless his heart, um, he was like the dad I never had, but he loved writing. Uh-huh. He never understood why I hated it. And he would write every single day. And he would write the short stories and plays yes. and were just magnificent. Uh, and I'm just not that way. <laughs> and um, uh, but but it is. It, and so I've written three books, ultimately, and, and I need to do another one. But it is about rem- sitting down finding your space and finding yourself getting into that zone and then it happens it it becomes it, it's like a child uh, yeah. that ends up getting a life of its own uh, each of my books i started thinking one thing yeah and it became something different uh in the process so i'm glad i'm not alone in that in that but struggle with the novels well or non-fi- what, what? it's not non-fiction yeah novels you know it's interesting um that could be even easier because it's then up to you, right? The the structure, the the nature of what's going on. But in doing nonfiction and wanting to talk about the issues yeah. and having a, a certain, you know, well, a certain agenda. I've got opinions and I want to be able to express those. And I have a certain kind of experience that I think is valuable in helping people uh, determine what's happening. Um, and, and even with that, uh, it's for me, even writing brings up things. Well, I was writing my second book. Things came up that I had forgotten about entirely. Mm-hmm. And and one thing in particular that I had put out of my mind because it was so shocking to me. Can I tell you? Yes, please. I uh, was, uh, the, it was The Death of Right and Wrong is the second book the, yeah. the, on the issue of the rise of moral relativism. And in this writing on the various issues, I had remembered 
that there was a, a an abortion doctor here in Los Angeles who had been killing people, killing women on during the operations. Mm. And there was a number of women who just never came out of the clinic. Wow. And there was a protest by the pro-life people against him. And I went to uh, one of the uh, founders of NOW and my mentor and, and said to her, this is a great opportunity to work together with these individuals on a common goal mm-hmm. about women's lives. I was, I was very excited. Yeah. I was like, wow. I mean, they're doing, I said, I said, they're doing this protest. We should be doing this protest yeah. because after all, we're for women. And uh, let's, let's do some outreach and join them. And we can get this guy, you know, in jail. Yeah. And she said to me, oh, no, 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 because that would hurt the issue too much. And I said, what? What? That's what yeah. I said. What? And she said, look, uh, if we are promoting and make, bringing attention to, uh, you know, that if this happens with abortion, uh, we're going to, you know, it's, it's a very different kind of, uh, you know, angle. And I said, women are dying. What That's this absolutely this has amazing. I said to her, I said, this has nothing to do with abortion. This has to do with a bad doctor. Yes. Well, yeah, that was there are several moments in my experience where that kind of, of thought pattern was so abhorrent. But it was interesting in writing my second book, I'd remembered that conversation, but I had in fact you know, pushed it so far back because I didn't resign after that point. I mm. was, you know, remained a part of this. And uh, it was things like that that uh, for me were obviously had, had chosen to forget uh, that showed me that it, that it wasn't really about women. Mm. It wasn't really about improving the quality of women's lives. Mm. Abortion was the one thing that you could raise the most money on. Do you know what? It's so interesting to hear you tell that story, Tammy, because it now really explains why you're you know when you talk about the the issues we discussed today the contemporary whether it's immigration or or whatever whatever it may be Mm -hmm. you bring that insight to it because it's on every issue how they operate yes it wasn't just that issue or just that person that was the foundational belief and so when I when I see it's just inhuman, isn't it? Because it's the ideology above all, and the yes. issue, and the organization, and the activism that it's a fraud. fraud. Yeah, that they're they're bringing people in based on this this fraud. Yes. that this is for women. We're improving people's yes. lives. Yes. Oh no, you're not. And it also transcends. It's not even about the issue of abortion yeah. or the issue of 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 rape or or sexual yeah. harassment or like what Kamala Harris did to uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Yes. It is the fact that they are lying to people about what they're doing and what their intentions wow, are. That's and really on, on on now not every single democrat or not every single person who identifies as a feminist. But the fact is is that the modern feminist movement really has collapsed because of this. Mm. And so you have individuals though who continue to propagate that kind of style, mm. uh, whether it be Hillary or Kamala Harris or or, or, and this for me as a woman, and I believe women will make and do make a huge difference in society because of our life experiences are so different. And to see these players, uh, 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 you know, representing themselves mm. as, you know, the, uh, we're who you should look to, to for the improvement in your life. And, that, and I see that same false framework weaved into everything they're doing. And remember, my, that experience for me was in the early 90s, early yeah. to mid-90s. 
It is the 21st century now. And it hasn't stopped. We now have a generation, my generation, that is still imbued with that. Uh, And I think that I would regret my experience. However, it's imperative to my, uh, it informs me to this day, and it's imperative now when it comes to my analysis of what's happening politically now. It's really clear to me. It's really, really clear. And it speaks to that point, which... Like you said at the beginning, it's that it's completely the opposite of what you might first think superficially, which is, oh, yeah, they're, you know, the liberal care about people, freedom, you know, emancipation. Right. But actually, it's the opposite because it's not about the individual. It's about the group and the ideology. That's right. And most of the energy and this is I've written about this uh, to some degree. The energy on the left really is to to promote it. It takes so much energy to promote the collectivism of it mm-hmm. because it's unnatural. Mm. So it's a constant effort to keep everyone right. in line yeah. because yeah. it doesn't, it, it does, you don't naturally stay in that. Yeah. So that's where the energy is. And there's no, there can't be any discussion of new ideas yeah. because there's no space for that. That's why everything you hear is like from the 80s. It's the same <laughs> arguments. It's the same lies. It's the, the you know, the, the same huffing and puffing. It's always about victimhood. It's the reliance on fear uh, and, and their reliance on victimhood remaining. Yeah. Because without it, what would they offer people? Other right. Than, when, when what you offer is to save people from victimhood, yes. what do you offer when there's progress, when there's genuine progress? And that is, of course... Uh, what it makes Donald Trump so threatening, mm-hmm. what what any serious conservative, why they're so threatening, is because a, a genuine conservative argument uh, is about ge- truly freeing people. Mm-hmm. And not, not, not it, it, you know, having a different argument saying, oh, this group of people, you know, nothing bad's happening to them. Bad things are happening. The difference is, let's solve the problem that's as opposed right. to raising money on the problem. Great. I mean, that's let's solve a great the problem. summary. Was there a moment when you when you remember? Um, ex, I mean, you you sort of coming to the realization of what was really going on. Where you was there a sort of moment of you know crossing the the line as it yes. were? Right, I'm now going to be on the right. What was that? Well, actually, about now, I'm not a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me a long time to identify even as a conservative. Mm-hmm. But what I knew is I wasn't a liberal anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, was during the Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky situation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because that was very similar. It was like I was watching this machine operate to destroy a young woman mm-hmm. who had been sexually harassed mm-hmm. and was now being eaten up by mm-hmm. the machine. And then Bill Clinton, they they had all the women from the White House go to the outside of the White House and give their speech about how wonderful Bill Clinton is. Mm-hmm. When at that point we had known what what had happened, and it was it was like the it was a final that was like kind of the the last straw. Yeah. I worked on the ninety two Clinton campaign. Really? Yes. Um. I it was I worked on the Feinstein boxer campaigns here, uh-huh. and nineteen ninety two was an important year of getting women into the Senate. Bill Clinton elected. Clinton Gore did a great job on on the budget. Uh, and getting a balanced budget. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they said they were going to do that, and they did. It was a different Democratic Party. But uh, as a feminist, what I saw was, once again, uh, presenting yourself as one thing, as for them, for the Clintons, as feminists and, you know, the champions for women everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, uh, we've got uh, – he's, he's a predator. Mm-hmm. People weren't using that word at the time. I did. And 
that everyone came together to protect him, waiting to see and kind of just ready to throw Monica Lewinsky into the volcano. And it was like, that's it. That, and it was on the air. I was at KFI. It was like, that's it. Wow. And um, it, it just, and it wasn't new for me. It was like, because I ignored, not ignored, but I accepted this kind of hypocrisy, you know, chose to ignore certain things. And finally it was like, you've got to be, this is <laughs> enough. Like, you've got to be kidding. And so you didn't go, okay, I'm now Republican. No. But what, 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 how did you express that idea of, being a conservative you said that that well what the interesting thing is also on being on talk radio Mm -hmm. uh i was my uh colleagues at the time when i I was with now said you know but said i should not do it you you can't do it it's you know it's it's rush limbaugh station it's you can't do it's awful and it, it was interesting to me because it ended up being the opposite of what the uh feminist and liberal and Democrat people told me it was going to be, but I was talking to conservatives for hours every day on the phone and they were not what I was told they were that we, you know, they were interesting. They were interested in what I had to say. Nobody wanted to build a camp for me. Nobody was out there with a, you know, a torch waiting to hunt me down after the show. (laughs) uh, Unlike sometimes with liberals. Uh, And I thought, well, if I've really been lied to about these people, what else don't I know? What else have I been lied to about? So it manifested at first as me really uh, uh, being free to, to argue against the, the liberal framework mm-hmm. and what was being presented. It was kind of the genesis of, of hey, everybody, this has been a lie. Mm-hmm. Also, in just my articulating my positions naturally, and I would hear this from the callers at talk radio, mm-hmm actually fit well within the conservative ideal, yeah. which you never heard about because even then, legacy media would never discuss that. Yeah. You wouldn't really know what conservatism was, right? And so that was an education for me. And it was a, a process of me just being honest about my positions, uh, again, about personal freedom, capitalism, mm-hmm. wanting people to succeed, uh, you know, the importance of a, a government that doesn't interfere. And look, as a gay woman also, I don't want government to be whenever government like, gets involved in our lives, something bad happens. Yeah, I want that to end. Yes. As as a minority, it's not in my interest for yeah. the government to be controlling things. So those conversations we'd have, and so over a period of time, it probably took, oh, it probably took a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know if it was my first book, which was about freedom of expression, yeah. called the New Thought Police, where I was identifying. Well, I, I shifted from liberal yes. to classical liberal. Yes to conservative. Got it. And and really even then since I'm not a Republican to in, independent conservative. Yes. Which maybe now is our populism. But that's very interesting because that would leave you very much as you you know open to can we just bring it up to date with mm-hmm. Donald Trump and when you saw right. that phenomenon. Right. Just tell us about that when you were watching the well, I guess 20 you know just well, more recently when you're looking at what the republicans were doing mm-hmm. and Trump how did that all Well look the republicans I have to say from what I've seen do have some problems with people of color with women um uh it, it, there's this there's a point where they've got to let go and realize that the conservative ideal if articulated properly affects everyone and can be embraced by everyone. Mm-hmm. I think for so long now, they've abandoned certain categories of people mm-hmm. because the left, quote, owned them. Yeah. So you don't care, you don't, you think you can't 
make a difference in Chicago or Baltimore or mm-hmm. Los Angeles or, you know, you, you kind of think that that's not your space. Mm-hmm. Well, if you really care about the country, every city better yes. be your space. Yes. Everybody better be your space. Donald Trump really articulated that. First candidate, really, to hold the rainbow flag, to talk about, hey, African-Americans. That is amazing, isn't you know, it? Co- but that's true. That's yes. right. So, yeah. But he also comes from the – he doesn't come from within that bubble. He wasn't yes. conditioned into believing that certain categories of people belong in certain spaces. None of that is true. But if you're a politician and you've got to manage big government, you've got to categorize people in that fashion in order to manage it. If you really trust the individual, mm-hmm. you do begin to see everyone as simply American citizens, as as an individual. That's when you tr- – if you don't trust people, you can't afford to see people as, as powerful individuals or relevant uh, as in that framework. You've got to see them as a collective yeah. because, because otherwise, why would you want to deal with them? Because you don't respect them, right? They're things to be managed, Right. Like like the, you know, like the pasture or like the pig pen. There, there's Crete. They're creatures that must be managed and handled. Yeah. If you believe in the individual and I see that from Donald Trump, that you see them and you believe that everyone deserves to be treated in the same way, deserves representation, uh, that uh, that identity politics is limiting. I mean, obviously, we have identity slivers of our identities, but we're American citizens. Mm-hmm. Right. We're, we're complete people. And so I think for me, in and how this applies in this process is, I've, I found that the leftist rhetoric mm-hmm. uh, can sound good, but that is developed, in, in fact, to distract people. Uh, and that it's a commitment, their commitment is to the collective, to dismissing and denigrating the individual. And we see the results of that in the inner cities in yes. this country. Donald Trump... And while, of course, they were trying to use the the uh, uh, they're trying to define him as a misogynist and a sexist because that category of women was a category Hillary was relying on. She felt they had been conditioned enough to where she could rely on their for them to be unthinking and to just be triggered by certain words. When I would see Donald Trump, my my initial reaction was, you know, I was didn't like his style. He was not my first choice. But as I listened to the uh, debates and listened to him, there was a realization that this was a man who knew what he was doing, Mm. that what needed to happen in the country, he had the skill set for, that, in fact, he was interestingly uh, able to face down this kind of monster of a system, he didn't care about them. And he really meant what he was saying about, you know, the the things that would make the difference in our lives, which I agreed with, national security, uh, getting that border done. He under, he cared about what happened to Kate Steinle and her family. And it was, and I thought to myself, you know, it's the economy that sets us free. Mm-hmm. Women and everyone in this country are more enslaved when you have no money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you are f- genuinely yeah, free. A, by the way, such a profound point. Right, see, because yeah. this is, you are only really yeah. free when you can make choices that yes. best suit you, yes. when you're in the relationship because you want to be, when you are 
living in an area where you can get the school you want. Or if you want to send your kid to private school, you don't need to be a millionaire to do those things. You simply need to be middle class Mm -hmm. and to have a little bit of disposable income. Mm. So it's the economy that will set us free so that we can decide to be CEOs or radio talk show hosts or stay at home moms or 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 teachers, whatever we want to do, that nobody else in that lineup who had been in the system could deliver that. They, we saw the economy collapsing under both Democrats and Republicans, and that this was going to be our chance. And it certainly, we knew it wasn't going to be Hillary, but that was, that was for me, uh, you know, I want a woman president, but I want her to be successful, mm-hmm. and I want her to improve people's lives. So uh, it was a fascinating juxtaposition. And at a point, uh, I was won over by Donald Trump. And this is the importance of the primary season and those debates and television interviews. Someone like, I was won over uh, and it, I was not, when it happened, I wasn't hesitant because it, it made sense. Yeah. And uh, I, I've, we've all been proven correct at this point, I think. Yes. And there was a, there was such an interesting, it reminds me of something I thought very much, which at the time, which no one really uh, picked up on particularly. In fact, the opposite, which was, it's quite early on. He was talking about his, his, you know, rolling out some plans, starting with immigration. I think that was mm-hmm. the first policy plan that he mm-hmm. put out there very soon after he launched. The next one was his tax plan. Mm-hmm. And that really persuaded me because it was like, wow, this is so good. This is like someone who really understands. It's incredibly simple. Mm-hmm. It's whatever it was, you know, four rates, big cut in corporate tax. Mm-hmm. That, by the way, had been my obsession when I was back in the UK government, mm. which is if you want to actually get jobs, and you've mm-hmm. got to get people investing. You've got to get that business confidence. That's right. And the corporate tax cut, okay, you can sort of pan it as being for the rich, but it's got to be, and it's got to be a dramatic cut. And he wanted 15%. That's one of the things that most persuaded me. Mm-hmm. Like this guy really understands that just shaving off from like whatever, 30 odd to 29 or whatever, is just mm-hmm. not going to do it. Anyway, he had this tax plan and then he... It was included a cut in the top rate. And then he gave an interview where he said, well, maybe we won't do the top rate to this or something, whatever. And he was immediately attacked for flip-flopping and this, that and the other. Mm. And then he was asked about it in his next interview. And I'll never forget it. He said, look, what I really care about is the corporate tax cut. So we get the economy going and cutting income tax for working Americans and for middle class people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I do want I would like to cut it for everyone, but mm. you know what it's like? It's a negotiation. You got to con- I got to get it through Congress. Right. I've got to give them something and I'll probably start by giving them that because mm-hmm. what I really care about is this. I thought, "Oh my god, it's so refreshing. It's someone who hey, exactly as you said, he really knows what he's talking yeah. about." And there's and a transparency. The process is transparent. And he he's was not, being honest about exactly, it. Exactly. Whereas everyone else, they just go and they will promise you this and then they know it's never going to uh-huh. happen. He's just describing and I just thought, "Wow." Yes, this and, is and, so and in that process, also we watched everyone else freak out. I thought to myself, this is genuine. Nobody was freaking out about Hillary. That's kind of weird. And yet this man, for some reason, was such a threat. That interested me. Yes. You know, yes, what yes, yes. was that, that that was <laughs> the case? And it, it was, um, you know, it, it was really the right man at the right time. Yeah. And the transparency, it's still kind of shocking to people. Yes. It, it sometimes, you know, it's like, please don't say as much on Twitter and whatever. It's like, like we can handle it. Of course. It's, it's okay. We and can I do think, it. Funny enough, you know, when people talk about the... Um, the, you know his his character and the way the way he behaves and you get all these people leaking out of the White House mm-hmm. and, and all the rest of it. 
it seems to me that one of the things that must I mean, you're two two plus years into it now that must I'm not surprised he explodes every now and again because it seems to me that that he's just from the beginning just didn't have enough people around him who sort of got him and right. got what he was trying to do and helped him instead he had all these people blocking him well plus he i think was he he was genuinely in the beginning trying to bring everyone together yeah in genuine leadership i mean remember it seems like a million years ago now but reince priebus and steve Bannon, That's right, exactly. were, i mean think of he, the genuine effort yeah. to try to make all of this work and he's been learning uh, and, and it's it's been uh, I'm sure it's been very disappointing to him that in fact these are not well-meaning people. It says always people make a mistake about the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're well-meaning, mm-hmm. not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I think he's realized that this is a zero-sum game for people who don't think, who are not thinking about the country first, mm-hmm. and they think too highly of themselves, and they underestimate him because mm-hmm. he is, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just that he didn't go to the right schools or. What what their no, issue I think is? It's exactly right. By the way, it's a kind of class and snobbery yes. and kind of. Te- I use this word like he's not to their taste. Yes, you know, exactly. They, they literally can't believe he eats McDonald's, and, and that's disqualifying. He them. exposes them and their fraud simply by existing through his transparency. I don't think we can have another president who isn't as available. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and so that became also also a threat. But I think that it was his his greatest strength and weakness. He's trying to bring everyone together to get work done like you would in a company. Who doesn't want the company to succeed? Well, some people don't. <laughs> and so now he's still f- refining uh, the nature of who he can trust and who he's having around him. And he's learned. And uh, I think that it's going to be a, a, a raucous two years. The Democrats will continue to overreach. And the president uh, will need to, I think he understands, to make sure that the American people that he's going to have to get over legacy media to mm-hmm. make sure the American people know genuinely what's happened in this country, mm-hmm. why they are better off. Uh, and uh, the uh, I, I, that's his specialty. He'll be able to do that. And this will be a multiple cycle reformation. Yes. And who he runs with in 2020 will also be important. I don't think he can be Mike Pence. I think he's a I'm sure he's a lovely man. I've never met him. Uh, and I've only met the president briefly uh, uh, once. Uh, but uh, when it comes to what the argument of the left is going to be and what some of the problems that the Republicans have had when it mm-hmm. comes to to women is, uh, I think, uh, and I've been saying this for a while, but I think a Trump uh, Nikki Haley ticket is something that will make uh, will rock the Democrats world because their yeah. plans will be changed. And I think someone like Nikki Haley is a, a, a certainly a supportive of the president, loyal to him. Uh, has her own point of view, yeah. has now some extraordinary experience, has Americans like her, uh, as she is clearly She's has very impressive. been under yeah. such yeah. pressure. I think she would be a very interesting addition because we also have to think about 2024. The, the Reformation, we can't have a, a Reagan handoff to a Bush again, mm-hmm. where then the effort is to reverse the success, mm-hmm. uh, the the reformation must continue, and you know because the swamp is waiting just for twenty twenty four. They can't wait. I think, and, and just the the last point I just mm-hmm. wanted to sort of pick up on there and, and 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 conclude with this is that what you've done so brilliantly, I think, is it goes back to what you said at the beginning, which I love, I really so much, which is you know as far as you see, populism is the best bits of conservatism, yeah, and. The thing that's, that, that's really helpful, and I think for anyone listening to, to sort of take from that, is when we talk about populism, it's a label that has, you know, like, and one of the things I constantly try and kind of find ways of 
of doing is distinguishing, differentiating between the populism of the left and the populism mm. of the right. Because right. a lot of the time, Good. oh, well, there's a lot of, you know, overlap. Bernie Sanders sounded like Trump. He railed against the rig. Yes, that's true. A lot of rhetorical overlap. And also an overlap in terms of the kinds of people they were saying they were concerned about, the American worker rather than the elites and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes, that as far as it goes, there is that overlap. But it's the policies and the means that, that really differ. And that point about populism the, being the best of conservatives in the sense of putting power in people's hands, mm-hmm. giving them that indiv- individual freedom. And you need the conservative... Especially economically. Yes. So important. And it, you need the conservative... It can only work within the as being facilitated through the conservative ideal because it requires trust in the individual. Yes. The left does not trust the individual. The left is, is committed to collectivism, yeah. which, of course, is the antithesis of populism. It cannot work. Populism requires the freedom of the individual, genuine freedom, to be able to really seek your dreams, have your yes. lives be what you want it to be. But that can only be facilitated by, by the conservative ideal. And so I consider the rest of that, if you're on the left, you can't be a populist. You this can't be. Tell me, it's so good what you've just said. It's just brilliant. I'm going to leave it there. Okay. Because I want to reflect on all that and I want to talk about it another time with you because that was a, but you know, so important. (laughs) It's a profound thing to say. Well, I, this is very, it's very, very deep what you just said. And only your point of view could we, could we have this conversation? It allows the foundation of this, this great podcast, larger larger uh, uh, conversation about the important issues yeah. kinds of bring, yeah, we're brings keep, these we're things up. we're going to keep going. Good. Hey, Tammy Bruce. Hey. Fantastic. Hey, Steve Hilton. Thank you so much. Thanks Wonderful. for having me. No, it's such a pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.